This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, what a beautiful day it is in Disruptive CEO Nation. We are talking clean tech today, and maybe this isn't your space, but I promise you, you are going to learn something that is really relevant and really interesting, and I'm going to learn a few things too along the way. We have with us Jennifer Mitchell, who's the founder of NutraServe, and she's going to tell us about it, but she is on a mission to create a clean and sustainable future through all natural products and renewable processes. And again, she is going to tell us great things and she's out in Utah. So Jennifer, welcome to the program. Thank you. And uh, we had a snow day in Utah here today, kind of unexpected. So it was uh, a little cold and nice, but. but Well, I'm talking to you from Chicago in February. So there's been eight inches of snow, I think already hit the ground today, but Tell us um, about your company, um, and I know you have pillars of agriculture and wastewater and other things, so give us the little elevator pitch of what you do. Sure. So, um, like you mentioned, my name's Jennifer, and I own a company named NatraSolve. Uh, I started this company mostly because I found a product in my business development and marketing world that actually did not only what it said, but more than what it said, and I, I... slowly uh, built NatraSolve going into all those different markets. Like you mentioned, there is so many different things that need to be cleaned up in this planet. It's hard to decide which. And so when I came across this product, the interesting thing about it is it's a very natural solution. It's a, a blend and array of natural bacteria and fungi that clean up some of the nastiest stuff on the planet. So oil spills, mine sites, the tailings and the pregnant solution in their process. Uh, But it also does really cool things like helps to increase moisture content and decrease temperatures in soil for agriculture. And I just want to grab you on that because I read that on your website and I'm like, okay, I never really thought about cleaning our soil so that it can grow better and use less water. So I just want to comment so our listeners know to go check it out. But yeah, keep going, Jennifer. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah, if you. you haven't heard, have you seen the movie um, or the documentary uh, Kiss the Ground with Woody Harrelson? I have not. I think we need to go see that. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Woody. And uh, he's actually a new board member for the Global Hemp Association who's doing some amazing things. But uh, he put this mo- this documentary out that I would watch just to give you a, a good foundation. But basically, we've just stripped all the biology out of the soil. There used to be microbes and life and things making stuff in the soil, but through the 
constant agricultural process through the tilling process and through fertilizers, we've chemically and mechanically stripped things out. So basically what we do is we put the biology back into the soil or the water to allow nature to kind of take its course. And there's a, a new and upcoming industry in this field of bio uh, remediation and bio augmentation, which is phenomenal. And the difference between this product and a lot of those is that we have kind of this massive array so we can attack a whole bunch of different things. And that's why you see the niche markets that you do. So our focus this year is very much on agriculture and waterways. We see a huge problem, obviously drought, climate crisis, all of the different things going Mm -hmm. on um, there. But on the other side of that, you have the people still trying to hold it up for us, still trying to create apples out of almost nothing and still trying to chemically push all of our sod or all of our peaches out of the ground uh, with traditional methods. And this year, it's just not going to work. Fertilizer is going through the roof. Shipping's going through the roof. Water is scarce, if not gone in a lot of areas. And so we see an average of 30 to 70% reduction in both water and fertilizer in two uses of our product. And so Uh, We're pretty vocal about the water issues. We're pretty aware of uh, not only how scarce it is right now, but that that it's not, it's not scarce because it's gone. It's scarce because it's dirty. We just need to clean it up and move it back into the process. Well, I want to hear more about your projects, but let's take a step back and and talk about you um, as part of your founder's journey. So you are a solo founder And um, my understanding is, is you've bootstrapped this so far. Um, How, I I just, I always like to ask people where the love and passion came around where you suddenly said, I am in, I am an expert in the clean tech field. Oh, I love it. Um, So funny thing is my first science fair project when I was eight was on chlorofluorocarbons and Aquanet hairspray. And if you remember Aquanet hairspray, I mean, it could just make your hair stand anywhere you wanted, Mm -hmm. but it had CFCs that were breaking down our ozone. And at eight years old, I gave a presentation. My teachers told me I was ridiculous and science, they're trying to scare us and it's not real. And so honestly, like that memory stuck with me, but I grew up and I I became pretty good at making money with money. I I love marketing. I love developing something from nothing, taking an idea and making it go. So like you love your founders and, and people that get in and create projects. That's, that's my passion. And so that's what I did in my history. And, and for the past 23 years, I still have my first marketing client, uh, which is a huge trophy to me, but the, um, the thing is, is if you're any good at something and then you see these problems, to me, it became more about applying my talents and my abilities to something that I really saw as a growing need. And that happened back in, I think it was 2014 is when I went to a summit. Mm-hmm. I was at a table with a whole bunch of wonderful scientists that have invented these things that will change our entire world and life and, and we won't have to change our lifestyle we won't have to change our industrial processes like we have figured out how to clean up the messes that we're making and so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking you know if I'm any good at marketing these are the guys to help and they were at the end of their career some past retirement age they've been rolling this sustainability ball uphill for 30 40 years and it started to go and so um, I just jumped I I stopped taking on clients in my marketing and business development company unless they were 
super close referrals mm-hmm. and everything else. I just put into a learning curve. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an environmental engineer, but I love our planet and I love the dirt and the bugs and the, the bees and the fish. And it, it, it just doesn't seem right that our process is affecting all of life, not just our own lifestyles. And so um, I love it. I, I met this product through a happen chance meeting and um, amazingly enough, one of the inventors or one of the innovators, excuse me, that helps to bring this product to the United States, he's about out because he's invented an engine that does some cool things, uh, runs off of 300 known fuel types. So he chose to do that and handed me the opportunity to take over this product's development in the United States. And to me, that felt like a huge weight. <laughs> wow. I got to say, say, Jennifer. Yeah. You know, for for everybody who's listening, I always encourage you to go connect with our guests on LinkedIn so that you can follow their their posts and their streams and learn more about what they do. But on Jennifer's LinkedIn, she actually writes, I'm a trailblazer, a boat rocker, and I can't seem to find the box everybody talks about. And I think what you've just told us exemplifies um, what you say on LinkedIn. Well, Well, let's get into some good, cool stuff. Tell us about some of the current projects that you are currently working on, just so that our listeners can really hear about it in a practical way. Because sometimes I think we we don't think enough about, like you said, the soil until we hear these tragic, tragic stories that come through the news from litigation. I mean, you know, years after the problem initiated. Right. So, so share with our listeners some of these things that you are currently putting your products to good use for. Sure. Um, We just hours ago uh, received final notification from uh, the entities that need to approve us for a trial on Utah Lake. If you've never been to Utah, Utah Lake is a very large freshwater lake in the state that has a very large cyanobacteria and algae problem, mostly from wastewater effluent and long ago industrial processing. It's a very shallow lake, 10 feet on average. And so this cyanobacteria just is, is terrible. It's been an ongoing problem. And we have been working for, I, I only want to admit to about four, but I think six years, five or six years on getting a trial on this lake. And we just got the final approval a couple of hours ago. And what that means is that we are going to go find a small place on Utah Lake to show how well our product outcompetes algae for its food source. We don't kill anything in nature. We just outrun it and we help balance it. And so the Utah Lake thing is huge. And we are putting that together right now as we speak. Uh, The other project that I feel is just of utmost importance, both for our country, the sake of humanity, and um, cultural interest is the Navajo Nation. We've been able to successfully move forward projects to grow things in their soil that has historically grown nothing. Um, So we were able to successfully grow microgreens and we're also able to successfully treat um, their grazing areas and some of their water to take out uranium and vanadium that's there from our uh, World War II explorations and mining that we did down there. And so they've got a lot of water that is just contaminated and we're figuring that out. The University of Utah is actually... Uh, just partnered up with us. Also today, we just started moving that forward to do rural treatments of 
water that has really nasty stuff in it all naturally. So it's really exciting. It's actually a very simple process. Nature does um, much better than we do at, at cleaning and fixing stuff. We've just hyper consolidated some of nature's best uh, cleaning tools and, and absorbents. So Jennifer, where, where are you taking this next? Because I know before we got on this interview, you and I were talking about, and all of our founders know, right? You, you get all of those, those, you got your concept, you get your basics in place, and then you, you hit these like pivot points. And I feel like Jennifer, we are having the absolute joy and privilege to speak to you <laughs> at this, like, you know, certainly been doing great before you talk to us, but, you know, we're having this story that we're, we're catching you at a point in time where um, still a lot of hard work to come, but what's, what is next for where you want to take this business? I, I, I love how you framed that question so much, Allison. Um, the business next is without giving too much away. Um, we are definitely in global expansion. Uh, we have only been doing sales for a couple of years, but those sales, very, very tiny sales grow exponentially very quickly because people realize, you know, all of the different areas that they can utilize our products. But overseas, we're seeing things in India, for example, where there is famine because they can't process more wheat in the same amount of land. But our product also helps to rapidly decompose organics and we actually built a custom blend for India to help break down the cellulose in their wheat stocks so that they can get another grow cycle. Uh, so we've partnered up with a company called Ketos. Um, there's a lady named Mina that owns that. She is absolutely incredible, long history in farming in India. And so we will be partnering with her to expand overseas to help both treat some of the rivers that are, are plaguing their religious organizations too. There's some spiritual rivers that people go to on a pilgrimage in India that we're going to look at cleaning up and then also addressing the famine issues through soil treatment and basic agricultural. So see uh, listeners, I uh, promised you were going to learn something new for sure on this interview. <laughs> Jennifer, as a, as a company leader and, a, and as a founder, what are some of the things that, um, you know, we're kind of tough lessons as, like you said, you've built a company and a business um, on, as a marketing uh, consultant, but in this particular business, what would you say have been some of the biggest challenges for you as you've approached your growth? Greed, I think is number one. <laughs> Greed, I think you're gonna have to explain that. Um, I have a product that does a lot of really, really cool stuff and I can go clean up mine site tailings. I can go clean up lead out of places that are killing and that means that the product that I have can be sold for a lot and if you if you want to um, kind of frame this we treat one one ounce to three ounces of our product will treat up to 5,000 gallons of water that has arsenic uranium vanadium oil um, picture your oil spills if you can throw an ounce of product per or two ounces of product per 5,000 gallons and have it cleaned up in months, uh, we have a, a much better runway 
for our future. We have a much better legacy to leave to the kids behind us because we are able to clean up all of these nasty things. There's no reason we're still scraping oil off the rocks in California. We can go out, spray our product. It will dissolve. It won't dissolve. It absorbs it, consumes it, and then turns it into a topsoil water and oxygen. And so there's so much we can address. My biggest thing with greed is that everybody tells me the same things. Focus on one market that will pay you the most per ounce. Let everything go. Well, then that means I'm letting go of all of our alfalfa farmers. That means I'm letting go of all of our canals. That means I'm letting go of all of the Navajo Nation and the Hopi Nation and everybody else that's out of water that nobody seems to want or know how to address. I don't think everybody knows what to do. I certainly didn't until I came across this. So greed, definitely. Um, I, I, I think that's why I'm still a sole owner. To be mm-hmm. honest, I, I was I was playing that through in my head as I was listening to you that that you've got to have the right partners. You're not a, a B Corp, are you, Jennifer? Or are you? A no, B-corp? we're an S Corp. You're an S Corp. Mm-hmm. OK, um, yeah, so we have to have the right partners. They have to actually care about the plan. If I want to go make money, I'll just go back to marketing and business development and do that, you know, but making money and and looking my children in the face is two different things and if I know I'm any good at something like I mentioned before I'm going to put it back into the legacy of of the generations behind us not just our own time right now and we have something called the legacy land flip also coming up that's really awesome it's basically we take contaminated land that has mercury or oil or whatever on it we clean it up in months to a couple years maximum, and then we flip it for a very good return. <laughs> so we're calling that the legacy land play because, you know, it's like you can build a legacy out of doing something, cleaning up the land and leave something good behind. There's huge margins. Uh, it's awesome. And it's not, we're not out of water. We're not out of dirt. We're just out of viable water and viable dirt. But, you know, if we address that, clean it up, we're, we're back into business as a country and a, and a globe. So it's pretty exciting, actually. Now I want to have some fun because you put in, um, in one of the notes that you sent to me that you run a save the beer, new water (laughs) conservation awareness campaign. So, so honestly, Jennifer, I need to know about save the beer. Can you (laughs) tell me about that? (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. So I spent like years mad. I went all uh, talking to all these executives, talked to all these huge industry leaders about why they don't care about water. Like, why is it that it's just not important. Why is it something you're not addressing? And everybody kind of like made jokes about it. They, oh, I prefer to watch the world go out in a ball of flames with my beer in hand, or oh, I prefer coffee, you know, who wants to drink water or what? And they made all these jokes. And I was like, man, this is annoying. And for years, I just missed it. And as a marketer, I feel like a moron, but that was the answer. They weren't connecting that the liquid in the beer and the liquid in their coffee is water. And so when I started to say out loud, when they would tell me things like, oh, I'd prefer to have my beer instead of water, I'd say, do you know that that liquid's water? And that the stuff that grew the hops requires water. And you see this look come across their face like, hmm. Actually, no, I never really thought of that. And so I had this epiphany one day and I spent like $16 to test it on blip billboards in a couple of markets and we got like a thousand twenty four people like that and I was like I've been fighting this fight about water forever and as soon as I connected it to beer so we'll be doing save the beer save the wine save the coffee save the soda 
It takes an average of 1,056 gallons of water to make one gallon of coffee from bean to brood. So I wait, want the- wait a second. Say that again for us. <laughs> right. Say that. No. 1,056, one, zero, five, six gallons of water to make okay. one gallon of coffee. Bean to brood. Bean to brood. Okay. So- That means your Keurig guy needs to stop worrying about the plastics. We've got that covered, but we need to drastically like, don't make more cups than you need. You know, it's, it's just a simple thing. So save the beer is a way to express the water conservation awareness campaign that we want to spread out, but we very much want to tie into leading brands that want to promote their water saving technologies in a way that's fun, doesn't scare people. And lets them know it's okay to keep your lifestyle. It's You don't have to go back to the Ice Age. We do not have to go way back. And as a matter of fact, Native Americans had this place landscaped with exactly what we do. The biology and things were there before we just didn't catch it. So we have an opportunity here to move things forward. Save the Beer is a fun campaign. We're going to grow that. Budweiser has sponsored me uh, forever. They give me free all kinds of stuff to do events, but we're going to be growing that uh, sponsor base because it's definitely catchy. People love it. And we just put out these little comics that are like two guys golfing and Larry's over there saying, man, I, you know, I was, I I don't know how to tell Jim. I barely liked golfing before when I had beer and we do everything like the day when the beer ran out, you know, Super Bowl with just a hot dog, nothing. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what are we going to do? So it's just kind of connecting the dots on what our lifestyle implications are, and then pulling in the products that really help to address those things in a more fun way. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing that. Our 25 minutes goes really fast. That's the target we have for these <laughs> interviews. Yep. Um, where do you go to get your uh, your inspiration as an entrepreneur? Any Any podcasts, any books, anything that you would recommend to other people? Um, I read all the time. Uh, I definitely, right now I'm reading a book, uh, called David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. I would mm-hmm. definitely read that. I, I, I haven't finished it yet, but it is phenomenal. And not only points out that not only does the underdog sometimes win, if we don't play by the rules that were handed by the person that invented the game, the underdog wins the majority of the time, 63.5, according to this book. So uh, it has a lot of stories about it and different inspirations. But I, I think reading is one of the best things. Podcasts like what you're doing uh, are definitely a way to connect to the now. Books are wonderful for information, but I think podcasts are so great with connecting us with people that are relevant to our life right now. And so I try to immerse myself in as many of those I am Salt Lake podcast and the founder there, Chris Holyfield has been a long-term ally since podcasts were kind of invented. And uh, the other thing I do is I, I literally ask the universe and I pray a lot as a founder. We all know there's moments where we're not sure if we're going to make it or not. You work really, really hard. And in my opinion, you pray and then you work really, really hard and you pray again. And then you work really, really hard. And it always comes out. Tenacity always wins. And inspiration comes from everything, even the really bad things. It's been a very hard year for a lot of people. And uh, even seeing the deficits and the hardships and the the downside of things can serve as inspiration if we decide and if we ask for the right guidance on what do we do with this? How do we address it? And so I try to tackle the hardest things in the world because it keeps my brain excited and busy. I love solving really hard problems. And my favorite words are, 
I don't think you can do that. <laughs> well, Jennifer, <laughs> I do not believe that about you. I believe you can do anything <laughs> you put your mind to. If people want to reach out to you, get a hold of you, how, where should they go? What should they do? Sure. Uh, LinkedIn is awesome because it will keep you up to date with activities that we have. Uh, Naturasolve.com is N-A-T-U-R-A-S-O-L-V-E.com. And that's our company update. We have all kinds of different businesses, though. Like you mentioned, Save the Beer. We've got Clean Tech Studios and other entities. So connecting on my LinkedIn is probably the best idea, which is LinkedIn.com forward slash in and Jenlin, J-E-N-N-L-Y-N-N. And I think those are probably uh, the the two best ways to keep abreast of what it is we're doing right now and how we're disrupting this nation as we go. Well, thank you so much to our listeners. As Jennifer said, something that you think somebody else needs to hear, pass a copy of this podcast along. Also go to Podchaser, give us a rating. And if there is another disruptive CEO or company founder that you think we should need to speak with, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Jennifer, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you for having me, Allison. I really appreciate your time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.